Hey, well, hello, everyone, and welcome to What the Fuck's Up podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of having Kate Nichols on the podcast. Kate is a self-described stay-at-home daughter, comedian, writer, and the host of Stage 4 Klinger podcast. She grew up in Berlin, Maryland, where she is currently living with her mother, as well as her amazing therapy dog, Jolene. So welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for coming on. What the fuck's up? How are you? Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. What the fuck's up? It's a pleasure. <laughs> Wait, also, I totally forgot to mention the intro. What? That I found Kate because she had an amazing episode on Girls Gotta Eat podcast, which is one of my favorite Hell podcasts. Yeah. And <laughs> you fucking crushed it. Like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> truly, it was one of my favorite episodes. And so I like... That is so kind of you to say that means so much it I had really, so much fun it was so good it was so natural and I reached out being like oh she's probably getting a million dms right now given their <laughs> listenership and I kind of just like threw like shit at the wind see what sticks I think yes. I totally fucked up that entire saying but it's okay um <laughs> yeah that is not the saying I threw shit at the wind you just get smart. shit blown back at you <laughs> And see what sticks on your own face. And then, yeah, see where the shit sticks on you. No, um, that was so off, but I'm dying. But I literally just, like, reached out to you. I was like, maybe she'll see this. Maybe she won't. You responded right away. So sweet. You're like, let's do it. I'm like, I fucking love this girl. I can't wait to have her on. Well, I didn't I do like a bait and switch by accident because I was like, you know what? I'm not doing shit right now because <laughs> it's quarantine. And you're like, I really thought you were telling me to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, you said something where you were like, I'm not. And I like read it in the preview and I was like, and you're like, oh. I totally understand. I was like, she, yeah. she's just not accepting I'm- any more DMs or <laughs> podcast requests. And then you're like, Could yeah, you I'm not doing responded- anything. Yeah. Could you imagine if I responded to DM saying I'm not accepting any more DMs? Sorry, I am not accepting your DM that I am replying to. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Oh that yeah, that would be a power move. I was laying around the day that that episode aired and yeah. just like my phone was blowing up and I'm just like, okay, like I'll just answer it as it comes because they kind of warned me like they're like, you're probably going to get a lot of DMs yeah. after they like edited it. And they were like, if you let it pile up, it's gonna, like one girl, it took her like a month because they did like oh a sexual God. assault episode. And she said hers was really good, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. yeah. And she said, um, you know, DM me. And then she ended up getting like hundreds of DMs that like. Because mine didn't take oh a lot. God. It's just like, oh, yeah, my dad was an alcoholic, too. And I'm like, high five. Um, but like with hers, like she needed to like, like really like. <laughs> yeah, go team. With hers, she needed to like really like give thoughtful, careful responses. And yeah. it took her like a month to get through all of them. So mine were just fun. <laughs> well, because I mean, well, you still got like you posted some of the responses to yours. And mm-hmm. on the episode for people who haven't listened, you should listen to this first. But you can listen to that after. <laughs> listen to this first then listen to stage four clinger and then listen to girls gotta eat exactly that's the exact (laughs) order we need um but you talked about your father who Mm -hmm. he was an alcoholic and an opioid addict i believe yes Mm -hmm. so you got into some really deep things you got into that your mother who you are staying at home with currently is dealing with cancer hence Mm -hmm. stage four clinger Uh but it makes sense to me that your phone blew up because the way you handled these topics that are so like dark and horrible 
Michael was with such grace and humor, but still addressing it and giving it the full attention it needs. You know, you weren't just like glossing over it. Like I haven't done therapy, which <laughs> sometimes I do because yeah. I'm just just starting. It's fun. But Good for you. Thank you. I'm such a crazy person about therapy. Reason I need it. <laughs> um, but I get really picky about my therapist. Mm-hmm. So then if the therapist does something I feel like is off, I'm like, I just don't, I can't. And then I get stressed about the time commitment of the therapy, which is insane. <laughs> Literally insane. I'll be like, I just don't know if I have this hour because I'm editing the podcast. And then I'll get on. I'm like resentful. that It's like, no, <laughs> no, Caitlin. But luckily I have a new one. She's great. But anyways, back to you. Yeah, you just handled these darker, heavier topics with such grace and lightness, but also really like got into some cool stuff. And I was like, I need to have her on. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Like I said, I'm not doing shit right now besides my own podcast and going on other people's podcasts and hanging out at my mom's house. Shout out Claudia. <laughs> oh my God. Your mom is also like having listened to a few episodes of Stage Four Clingers. So cute. It's so the dynamic between you two on your podcast is hilarious mm-hmm. because it's like <laughs> you really get along, but mm-hmm. there are certain things that you say and she's just like, How did I create this? And you How can like cre- Yeah. <laughs> Because we do, yeah. we love each other so much, but we're polar opposites. Like I tell totally. people, if they ever watch Gilmore Girls, we're not like besties like Lorelai and Rory. We're like if Emily and Lorelai became best friends. Oh <laughs> my God, that comparison, it speaks to like a deep part of my soul. That is so yeah. funny because she's also <laughs> Southern and she's mm-hmm. like a little more prim and proper, but she has her yeah. moments where she's like, ooh, I went there. Yeah, I know. She's like so proud of herself when she says like, asshole. <laughs> she's like i'm gonna say it he was an asshole <laughs> she's like i'm just gonna go ahead and put a dollar in the swear jar i'm gonna put a dollar in the swear jar oh my god incredible so we've talked a little bit about you i gave my short little intro but just to start out do you want to kind of talk about your story you sure. also another reason i want to have you on is because we both were former angelinos what do you even say <laughs> angelinos angelinos I, I see mean, i didn't I live there angels, long but... enough it was like yeah. four years but i still don't know what you say new yorker's easy for los yeah, angeles it's like yeah angelina oh my uh-huh. god i sound like a full idiot sos yeah even though i'm a stay-at-home daughter i it's not like i never flew the coop it's like very new for me yes. to be back in my hometown because i moved away at 17 and mm-hmm. went out to san diego wow Um, And then realized that I think I followed a boyfriend there and then broke up with him before I even went to the school. And so it sounds like a pattern from your story, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to be very codependent. Um, (laughs) So I ended up transferring to a school in New York for acting and theater because I just didn't know Pace University. Yeah. I was in their BFA program, and then I realized I hated it so much. (laughs) It was so annoying. Like, my voice and movement classes, like, I'm just, like, I'm crawling around on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, what am I learning? (laughs) I'm like, this just isn't me. But I knew that I liked to be on stage, Mm. and I knew that I liked to write. I liked to to say things that I wrote, so I got into stand-up comedy, and and I got into improv and sketch writing through the Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, Started doing stand-up around, like, 21, 22. Did, like, a little bit of touring, not ever, like, headlining, but opening for other people amazing um, 
and then uh, got into a toxic relationship with Ooh, another comedian. Shout out. Um, <laughs> and that kind of brought me out to Los Angeles. He was just like, once he knew that I was about to leave him in New York, he was just like, all right, we're going to Los Angeles. Okay. Oh, my You got to do everything. So, pulling um, out all the stops. Pulling out all the stops. Just yeah. like all the textbook, mm-hmm. like controlling, emotionally abusive behavior. Yes. Which when you're like 24, you're just like, okay. <laughs> I know. You just don't know better. I know. We'll get into that because yeah. been there too. But yeah, sure. Yeah. And so moved out to Los Angeles and ended up getting a job as a writer's assistant for a Disney Channel show oh, and a, like a web series. Then I kind of got into like talk show reality more in like the reality television thing writing producing and I talked about it on Girls Gotta Eat but yeah. I was a creative assistant for Chloe Kardashian's show incredible cocktails with Chloe <laughs> is there anything more LA than the fact that you worked with the Kardashians it's just like it was like perfect yeah <laughs> it's kind of messed up like I saw a lot of celebrities when I was in LA I think more so than New York because mm-hmm. growing up in New York I was never like on the prowl for them or like that yeah. sounds creepy on the lookout for them rather um the prowl the prowl but but I never saw the Kardashians I feel like I was robbed you know yeah no pun intended but um, you were robbed I was robbed <laughs> Rob Kardashian <laughs> I was Rob Kardashian nobody saw me nobody <laughs> saw me for what I was or what I was trying to do poor Rob oh my god poor Rob But yeah, I worked for the Kardashians and it was just as great and weird as you'd think. And we had like a lot of other celebrities come on the show. And it was just so funny because there would be paparazzi staking out. We had like a sound studio in Van Nuys that pretended to be her home. And so So there'd be like paparazzi out there. And some days I would leave like right after her or I was just like heading back to like the production office. So I'd be behind her car and she's like doing everything she can not to get paparazzi. And I'm right behind her in my like 2002 Volvo that like the convertible top was stuck down and so I'm just like behind her waving oh <laughs> my god the, have you found so any of the photos of yeah okay. I have some pictures of me in the background I'm going to need one of those photos I'll send you one there's a really good one of me clearly exhausted in like a puffy vest and like talking into my production headset and Kylie Jenner's just getting out of her oh like, my god Bentley <laughs> It's just like, oh, I like to post it on her birthday and be like, to my best friend, Kylie, <laughs> one of my favorite pictures Kylie, together. I miss you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for all our time together. Yeah. Incredible. But it was it was a great experience, especially mm. as like a broke 20 something in L.A. because I God, I stole so much from that set, like um, <laughs> so much alcohol, so much because they would have like each celebrity would have a writer saying like what they want in their dressing room. And if it wasn't consumed, I would like swoop in there and be like, like, oh, fuck who yeah. Who wants tonight? <laughs> yeah, like, waste not, what not. Seriously. Also, it's exactly. not actually her house, so you're not actually stealing. Exactly, yeah. That's the rules. You don't make them. I don't make them. You don't make them. And so then that got canceled, mm-hmm. um, and I worked on a couple of pilots, things like that, but I ended up landing a job on a movie, and I had about a month left until I had to go do that so I was like oh well my lease is up let me just go home for a month and then I'll move back mm-hmm. I've never had like a month just hanging out in my hometown since I was 17 that's Maryland and yeah. what year is this it would have been 
three years ago. So, so like 2017-ish. Like yeah. January of 2017. Got it. And so I'm home with my mom. She had just split from my dad. They mm-hmm. just separated. And I think that was part of the reason why I felt like, oh, I can actually feel peaceful in my home <laughs> like yeah. for 30 days. Totally. And while I'm there, my mom was like, we were just running errands together. And she's like, I have to go get a quick biopsy because um, I had like an abnormal mammogram. And I'm like, okay, weird. Let's go. And then it ended up being cancer. So I ended up putting in a delay for my job. And they were like, that's fine. You can take a couple more weeks because we thought she just had stage one and that it would just be a quick, like, quick chop them off. And then during that surgery, we found out she actually has stage four. It's in her lymph nodes. It's in her bones. Um, So real... Real tough pill to swallow. So I decided to stay home for a year and be with her. And I'm so glad I did. And then moved back to California Uh uh, for about two years. And then I came home for Christmas. This year? And then you're yeah, like, wait, 2020 home. is canceled. Fuck this. I'm staying. Literally. It's so weird because I had this feeling. Yeah. So I drove. I like to road trip a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've driven cross country like six times in the past like two years. Oh, shit. That's impressive. <laughs> I'm so really scared like to, to do it. Once you do it, you, then you're like, I can do anything. So my friend Maddie's kind of addicted to it too. Shout out Maddie mm-hmm. Leotope. But she. <laughs> Shout out Maddie. Shout out Maddie. Maddie on air. <laughs> but she loves it too. She literally offered because I was trying to figure out my car situation from Mm -hmm. LA to New York thank god I think knock on wood do I have wood yes I do it should be (laughs) getting taken over the lease which has been Uh like a fucking process but when I was like what the fuck am I gonna do I'm leaving California my car's gonna Mm -hmm. stay there she was like let's do a road trip I was like no (laughs) anyways I digress so you go on Mm -hmm. a road trip yes I came home for Christmas this year and yeah I like to drive because I have my dog with me and they're not really cool about pit bulls on airplanes and even though she's a therapy dog she failed out of a lot of the like training programs (laughs) um so she's like she would not be chill in an airport by any means she just if i were a dog i wouldn't either can you imagine she would like crawl in the neighbor's laps and like just like kiss their faces and then steal their snacks and like she's obsessed with children but she gets anxious around other dogs because she comes from we believe she came from like a dog fighting background a breeding background so yeah so when I came home for Christmas, I was planning to head back end of January. I was like, I got a solid amount of time here. And then I'm like watching the COVID stuff happen. I just had a feeling like, no, you need to be here for a year. My mom and I started the podcast and I was like, all right, let me let me just, just see how this goes. And then and that was um, in January you guys started? Yes, we started the podcast in January. We kicked around the idea for a while. And our original plan was like, okay, we'll record a bunch of episodes whenever I'm home Mm -hmm. and then dole them out and then I'll come home again. But then with COVID, it was like, I guess I'm not fucking leaving. Yeah, you're not you're not (laughs) flying around. You're not just like going back and forth. Yeah. Mm -mm. Well, wow. That's so crazy that you guys started it right before this happened. It almost like, yeah, not to get all LA on us, but it kind of feels (laughs) like fate, you know, it really does. There's definitely some like divine timing when it comes to that yeah a hundred percent and so remind me this was like something on your mom's bucket list right yes okay yeah she's always so she's an insurance agent um (laughs) but she's always been (laughs) sorry it's just so cute it's like insurance agent turned podcaster insurance agent she has a billboard in our town in berlin yeah like right between berlin and ocean city so it got like main exposure and it's kind of a slutty one this time because she doesn't make them like that her company makes them so it's like an old headshot of her and it just says three things save money save time save my number <laughs> and I 
just think that oh. that's like the sluttiest. Sounding. My God, did she sign off on it, or was it just no, like she doesn't? Uh, and she just cracked. She thought it was hilarious when oh I told her I was God. like, "You got kind of a slutty billboard this year." <laughs> she's like, "Yeah, I do." But she's like, "You got for me, babe." Yeah. That southern but accent was also has- atrocious. I should be kicked out of any acting thing. Get forever. out of here. Get, Get out. out of here. Get out. <laughs> but she's always wanted to do creative projects. Mm-hmm. And like with me because I, I know how to do them. And she depends on me for everything. So she's Aww. like, Kate, just make this happen. So she said at first when she came to me, she said, Kate, I want to do a blog. I was like, OK, what do you want to blog about? And she said, here, I've written it all down. Like she wrote it all down on pen and paper. And she uh-huh. wanted to only talk about the fact that she thought that Argo beating the movie Lincoln for Best Picture in 2012 was bullshit, and she wanted to have an entire blog about it. And I, I was listened like, to this on your episode with Raina. That is yes. so funny. It's wow, so talk ridiculous. about commitment to a cause. Mm-hmm. I know. That's what creativity needs. It needs passion. She has it. Needs it needs passion, and like, yeah, that, I mean, God, we'd have unlimited content. There's just, the sky's <laughs> the limit with that topic. Um, you can go so far with it (laughs) and so then out in LA I was hired to host a podcast for the Headspace app that never saw the light of day but we recorded like a dozen episodes and it was a lot of fun oh that's cool and so then my mom got like interested in podcasting and then she was like never mind I don't want to do the blog I want to do a podcast about Lincoln and Argo and I want you to do it with me so I structured out the podcast to give her at the beginning the top of every podcast let me get something off my chest so that way she could whatever weird shit she wants to talk about she can get that off her chest and then we move into our interview segment dying to talk to you where we interview bucket list worthy people and it's just so much fun to do with her that is so I love the idea I feel like that kind of captures just the way you guys handle it on the podcast the whole breast cancer stage four stuff it's like the fact that you have this segment called let's get it off our chest just (laughs) it's so sweet and I just love your guys connection Yeah, it's like you guys, you're so different, but you're so great. I mean, again, the Gilmore Girls, like it was such a good comparison. I love that. It sums it up like completely, right? It really does. <laughs> so you weren't always as close with her as you are now, right? We've always, we've never gone through any like estranged periods or anything like yeah. that. Like we've always super loved each other. Mm-hmm. But we had, we definitely had our issues where like now when we say things to each other, we like let it roll off our chest. Like she can be like, oh, Kate, you're so embarrassing. And then I'm like, I know. Um, but definitely like it took us a while to get to that point where you like kind of de-weaponize I just trust when she says something to me that it's coming from a place of love and then I can tell her like oh that sounded a little harsh like let's rethink that sentence and then she'll be like okay like we we just had to get to a really through the breast cancer diagnosis and through Mm. my dad passing away yeah um which I'm so sorry about that was thank you that was pretty recent still right yeah it was just two years ago so a year after she was diagnosed not to compare it to this because this is crazy but I went through a breakup two years ago and I'm still healing from it so can only imagine (laughs) that was the least sensitive thing I've ever said okay keep going (laughs) no I mean a loss is a loss man and it was like a really confusing loss way worse yeah (laughs) 
but put that out there. Yeah. And I definitely used humor to get me through that too, because it's odd losing a parent that you're estranged with because they're struggling with addiction. And so I really, I know both ends of it of when you have a parent that you have completely different views, but who still can be super close to them if you just work through a few things. And then a parent where it's like, it's clear that like, unless they really work on themselves, every interactions become too toxic. And like, I really had to cut them off. Yeah. And I had to deal with guilt about that and guilt about feeling relief when he passed away. And so that really made a tricky grief cocktail. (laughs) I mean, the fact that you've dealt with it so well, I can only imagine. I mean, having both parents hit in these different but equally troublesome ways, like Mm -hmm. it's just the way you've handled it is super impressive to me, which is part of the reason I wanted to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, no, truly. If you don't mind me asking, your dad became... Okay, sorry. I live in New York City now, so <laughs> yeah, there are horns again. This wasn't a problem in LA. It was like birds chirping. So that's our uh, our contacts change for you. But um, but so if you don't mind me asking, how did your dad get into opioids? Like, how did that start? Was it a surgery or something? Yeah, yeah. So wow. he definitely was always he was always going to be an alcoholic. Like okay. he was already an alcoholic, and like came by it honestly. Like generations of men in my family have been plagued by the disease of addiction and alcoholism but he ended up he, I don't I'm sorry to laugh at you Parker but like he ended up taking a friend for his birthday to a like racetrack uh-huh. and he tried to jump the fence while drunk landed all of his weight onto one leg and shattered his knee and oh ended up having God. 18 surgeries over two years like he basically lived at the hospital for special surgeries for like two years wow. um, and then ended up having like another 15 surgeries in like the five years after that and so okay there you really go. dealing with that physical trauma and like the lack of mobility that, that came with it and like the weight gain and then yeah. he just it was always a very charismatic and charming person and he knew okay these pills make me feel better and he was really good at getting the doctors in like especially like the early 2000s the height yeah. of like over prescribing he just was able to get a shit ton of oxycontin constantly um wow. see that's and, so sorry to mm-hmm. interrupt but that's so no, interesting no, no. to me because so when i was in los angeles my part-time job was actually at a doctor's office um oh, cool. yeah so i was basically like office manager or mm-hmm. no i was not the office manager let me <laughs> rephrase that i was like the assistant <laughs> to the office manager which is a nice way of saying I was the receptionist, but I don't like uh-huh. that because it feels sexist. Anyways, I was a smart mm-hmm. receptionist, you know? It was like, there's yeah. more to me. There's more to me. <laughs> yeah, I would get so mad when people would speak down to me. I'm like, I am smarter than you. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. But basically with that, I never really touched surgery because I was like, I mm-hmm. studied theater. Like this just doesn't yeah. feel okay. Like I can do, you know, all the backlog stuff, whatever. But I I just didn't want to even schedule surgeries because I was like, mm-hmm. I just don't like the It feels idea. too serious. It yeah. feels way too serious. Um, You're like someone more experienced than me should even be scheduling this exactly because (laughs) like also if you're the scheduler like you're still supposed to kind of be there to have them sign off on things like I didn't even want to get that close to it I just didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole basically long story short 
But basically, we would have to deal with that sometimes. And he was an ENT, so ear, mm-hmm. nose, throat, which he's not doing very, like, you know, intense surgeries or anything. Mm-hmm. It's pretty routine, like sinus surgery, et cetera, um, helping with deviated septums. But we had to be careful because sometimes you could tell that patients had addictive personalities, you know, yeah. just based off like the way they would or the rate at which they would ask for the pain meds post procedure. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you'd realize that they're kind of finding these different doctors where they can get like low grade surgeries done so that they can have the pain mm-hmm. meds, which is such a scary place to yeah. be in. But I mean, I feel sad having like even been in the medical field for the short time I mm-hmm. was. It's sad to think that doctors can be like so negligent about that and just like Absolutely. feed these addictions, you know, because you really there's oh my God. there's an onus yeah. on the doctor to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. When I was still on my mom's yeah. insurance and. And I was living in New York and I went to like a concierge medical group because yeah. I had good insurance and why the fuck not? Yes. And um, at like 21 years old, they were throwing medications at me. I had two different types of Adderall, one for like the morning, one for the afternoon. Oh my God. And then I was having anxiety. So they gave me Xanax and then I wasn't sleeping. What? So they gave me Ambien. And so what? I'm like a college kid. And you kid. cannot mix those. I would have fucking died like if I had continued on. And oh I, it, I just realized at first it was like fun because I was like the plug. <laughs> I'm like, what do you want? What do you want? Like sometimes I was such a mess because I'm like yeah. living in Brooklyn, running to school mm-hmm. um, in the financial district, running to my job. So I would keep all my medications in my bag and sometimes they would come undone and I would play like Russian roulette. Like I'd be like, all right, guys, like shake it up. Like, oh, what, what kind of, let's my see. God. Either you're going to have a real up night, you're going to have a real down night. Like uppers or downers. Let's go, baby. I um, am done. You were the <laughs> motherfucking plug. I was the plug, but I... I ended up leaving that medical group because I was like, this is insane. Yeah, um, thank and God. <laughs> I, and then the next experience I had was while I was getting diagnosed with endometriosis, which is um, horrible. You know, it hor- it's very painful. Yeah. And the only thing, and they don't do enough for women's health issues. They don't mm-hmm. know enough. And so they just Preach. were throwing birth control and pain pills at me. Jesus. To, for me to, their only plan was for me to take pain pills for the rest of my life. And Did they I, know about your dad's history on top of yeah. it? Yeah. <gasps> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so is- thank God. God, thank God that I don't have the addictive gene because other yeah. people in my family do. And if that, oh, thank God. But I remember I switched to a really good gynecologist in New York, mm-hmm. a female one. And she was like, okay, I see that you're already on this prescribed pills. So like, I won't take you off of it, but like, maybe we can start thinking of other options. Mm-hmm. And nobody had said that to me. And then I just kind of like thought about that the rest of the like month until our next appointment. And so I just like stopped taking the pain pills. And the next time that I saw her, she was like, you haven't filled your prescription yet this month. And she was like, so worried and I was just like oh yeah once you said that you want me to consider to wean off of them I just stopped taking them and she started crying because she was like I've seen this go bad so many ways in this profession where people just get addicted and then coming off of them is like having to do a program having to wean them off like she was like you didn't like you didn't have withdrawals I was like no I just (laughs) just you're like I just won for it I feel like I've had so many experiences like that for better (laughs) or for worse I like think I'm the doctor which is very problematic don't suggest mm-hmm. it for the listeners at home. But I'll be like, you know, I feel like my anxiety has gone down. Like, perhaps I yeah. split my pill in half now. Like, no, Caitlin. <laughs> no, but, no, no. but in that situation, mm-hmm. that's that's great, especially given your history. And like, 
yeah, like you said, thank God it wasn't a family member or someone yeah. in the world who is more addictive personality mm-hmm. type because then that could have gone horribly wrong. Yeah. And it makes me really realize, and I want to say this because I yeah. love a lot of people who are alcoholics and addicts. And, totally. And of course, still love my father, even though there was a lot of like, that was a painful relationship in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. But it is a disease. It is not the person. And totally. like, it, it's literally just a bad game of chance. Like, it's in my family. It's in a lot of families. And so really tried to like have empathy for those people that struggle with addiction because it 100%. could happen to it could have happened to us just as easily yes as it could happen to anybody else a hundred percent it's just all a game of chance and that's something mm-hmm. like genetic roulette literally genetic <laughs> which is so alarming if you think about yeah. it that's why I get scared to have kids I'm like what the fuck am I gonna hand down like god knows oh, I plan to adopt <laughs> I plan to adopt through the foster care system because then yes, they already have yes. like a mom who kind of like fucked him up and then I can just be like yeah she sucked but like but I'm like great, right? I'm great <laughs> look how good I am you want some more candy <laughs> I was about to say the craziest thing. I'm debating whether or not to say it, but it's kind of like when you adopt a dog. <laughs> yeah. And they're really grateful for you. But I, we, know, I really I know. can't compare kids to dogs. That's problematic. No, I know. But I do. F- it is a totally disclaimer. Like, yeah. we know that kids are not dogs. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I but mean, like, I love dogs more my- than humans sometimes. Yeah. So. <laughs> Having gone through the things that I've been through and also having the experience of rescuing a like high risk dog that had a lot of anxiety and emotional Mm -hmm. problems. I feel like I'm the right person. I'm the type of person that could really give a lot of love and like just give a loving, fun home and be a support system to a kid in the foster system. I feel like like it's what I've been training for (laughs) my whole life. Well, that's that's amazing. And I think you really would be an amazing person in that situation. Like, because you've been dealt some, you know, tough cards in your but life. I played and them, baby. you tough hands. I feel like I'm <laughs> fucking up all the idioms. But I played them. But, <laughs> yeah, you killed it. But just circling back a little bit, I love that you made that distinction about, you know, alcoholism, addiction, et cetera, being a disease mm-hmm. that happens to yeah. someone and not a choice. Because... On the podcast, like, even though the explicit theme is, like, your Mm -hmm. 20s and transitions and whatever, like, because I've struggled with anxiety and, like, have mental health issues in my family, like, my mom is actually bipolar, which has been, like, you know, dealing with that Mm -hmm. sometimes can be tough growing up, etc. But... I think the way, even like since I was younger, that people talk about mental health, Mm -hmm. um, including addiction, including all Mm -hmm. of that, like everything under that umbrella, there's been this beautiful shift from like blame and shame kind of to it being something people can openly talk about and own and realize that they can help others by normalizing it, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And by taking the blame and like... Yeah, Just removing the stigma, the stigma and away, like, and I know? think that's how we need to approach almost everything in life is just with empathy and kindness. Hundred percent. Yeah, with mentally ill parents, it makes you internalize a lot of stuff. It makes you think that it was like your fault, mm-hmm. and then that can manifest and true. Fuck up your yeah, romantic relationship. It can manifest in very ugly ways. <laughs> yes. You were like, you were full therapy and I'm like, it just fucks shit up. What the fuck's up podcast? 
But yeah, so then also you need to practice self-compassion as the child of or the mm-hmm. loved one of someone with mental illness or addiction because like your 20s are all about unlearning a lot of the stuff that you learned as a child having such a like a chaotic parent. And so wow. then that's what my 20s were. I like relearned everything. <laughs> And tried everything. Yeah. Wait, I kind of love that. And I think that's really smart of you that you were able to see that even in your 20s. Like, it's still pretty, like, I feel like some mm-hmm. people just never and do And that's why it. they have midlife crises. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then they wait till their midlife. And I'm like, bitch, I had a podcast yes. at 26 because I just mm-hmm. wanted to tackle it all early. But yeah, exactly. And I love that you said what you said about the effect it also has on the loved ones surrounding Mm -hmm. the person with the illness whether that's addiction Mm -hmm. mental health etc because so for today I asked my mom I was like would you Mm -hmm. mind if I talked about this because obviously at the end of the day it's something she deals with it's something she goes through life with but at the same time it's also part of my story and it's also affected the person I am it's affected the types of relationships Mm -hmm. I seek out whether that's romantic or not so it does have an effect on you and I think that being open about that and figuring that out and as Mm -hmm. you were saying like unlearning some blame you put on yourself as a child especially sometimes you know parents who are dealing with this kind of stuff it's like they can't always be there 100% emotionally for you yeah so learning to take away the blame that you put on yourself for that as a child as an adult is really important yeah and that and um like you were saying in relationships like all through my 20s and this is like a very normal thing and it sounds like it's kind of what you've been doing too you become attracted to people like a bug to a lamp like it's like (laughs) oh like it's like you're broken in all the ways that it feels like home to me and like you like are so attracted to it where there's like beautiful and healthy people all around the room but you're zoned in on this one broken person because you're like if I can you're fix like, you I will fix them if I can fix them then it'll fix everything and that is exactly. the dumbest thing but we all do it oh my god and, it's um, so true yeah and you you your brain wants to kind of recreate the traumas that you went through as a kid so that you can better understand it so you pick partners to try to like put yourself wow. in the same relationship over and over again like it's something that is yeah it's, so crazy <laughs> yes it's so real like I did it my my brother was definitely uh he always went into tumultuous relationships because that's what he Mm. knew and he always was like I was like do you like fighting and he's like no and I'm like then why like I was like you're the common denominator here yeah and the same like same with my relationships I'm like I'm the common denominator how did I get myself into these toxic situations why do I think that's what I deserve and so yeah once so your 20s I'm gonna turn 30 in December you're a Sagittarius too yes yeah December 12th baby I'm December 9th we're so (gasps) near each other that's really cute I love that depending on how COVID Mm -hmm. goes I might be in New York so maybe we can (gasps) hang out oh my god (laughs) I would birthdays I feel like we would be friends so I'm ready I mean we are friends at this point because we are friends for an hour so that's friendship in (laughs) COVID talking an hour over FaceTime is honestly I think are we in a relationship at this point maybe except this is the most that would be really healthy yeah, this would be, be too so healthy. healthy. <laughs> It'd be too healthy. You don't want a healthy relationship until you're in your 30s. Right. Um, yeah. I'm you like got so once excited you get there. Post birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited to turn 30 because I did have the the quarter life crisis, and mm. I used that to like I used my 20s as a training ground, and I was like, I'm gonna try everything. I'm gonna do everything. Yeah. I'm gonna see everything. My, I'm gonna <laughs> fuck shit up. I'm gonna put my brain and my body through a bunch of shit, and then 
now I feel like, okay, I feel like I got it out of my system. I feel like I'm very wise and I can't you wait are to just wise. be 30 and like chill. Yes. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, just thrive. I feel like 30 that's... flirty and thriving. 30 flirty and thriving. <laughs> what a movie. Ugh, we I love know. 13 going on 30. Sorry. There's yeah. a little bug fucking up my shit. Anyways. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. And I feel like that's a very common theme. So I've had like two guests on who are already mm-hmm. in their 30s and both of them have just been like, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all been my two. friends a guy and a girl. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I had Callie Rogers, who's a life coach. And then my last episode, I guess at this point, because I'm probably going to put yours out next, but was R.A. <laughs> AC, who's uh-huh. Andre Anos. He's this amazing musician, very incredible. But both of them, you mm-hmm. know, without hearing the other being influenced, whatever, they're like, they said exactly what you said. They're like, 20s, yeah. you get out of your system, you fuck shit up, you learn mm-hmm. things about yourself. And then mm-hmm. in your 30s, you like reap the benefits of doing all yeah. that, which is, yeah. yeah, nice. And I really recommend, which like, it's my own personal choice, but I really recommend not getting tied down in your 20s because like it is supposed to be all about you finding you. Yeah. I understand if you like, if you feel like I've already found myself and I just like want to have kids and I want totally. to settle down fine no judgment love you yeah teach his um, own <laughs> yeah her own yeah especially if you are someone who has dealt with childhood trauma or is just someone mm. with a very adventurous spirit I really recommend like just being super selfish in your 20s and getting to know yourself and then yeah reaping the benefits in your 30s that's what I'm just like so stoked for COVID oh. to be over and just be like chilling <laughs> Wait, that's, I love that message. Be selfish. Yes. I think, Mm -hmm. especially as women, we don't always give ourselves permission to do that and then I think that attaches to dating too like I mean I grew up going to (laughs) the amount of times I've said this on the podcast but (laughs) I grew up I went to an all-girls school I loved it Mm -hmm. I felt very you know like feminist trained and very Mm -hmm. self-love go woman yay but (laughs) then there's still these societal pressures whether or not you've been taught these things about women and women's empowerment like there still are these societal pressures that we feel on a subconscious level to kind of like get in some type of relationship especially in our 20s yeah oh yeah I'm definitely I definitely thought that like 21 year old me would have been horrified to hear that I'm turning 30 and don't have like a boyfriend but like I'm so stoked by my life choices and it's like why did I feel that sort of pressure like I felt like there was this timeline I think our society really glamorizes like Mm -hmm. being successful super young or like I don't know. It's always like the 30 under 30 lists and stuff like that. And they yeah. they forget to like highlight. I never even thought like, well, what happens after I'm 30? Like, I does know. life just like stop? Well, like, you make like five and 10 year plans when you're in exactly. like high school or college. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh shit, at 30, I'm just, I'm dried up. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I die. That's I die. what happens. I, I die. I remember even thinking like just when I was younger I would see people in their 20s and they wouldn't mm-hmm. have it totally figured out yeah I was like god I hope I'm not like that like I bitch know. everyone's like that it's how it works it's very <laughs> slim percent of people that uh-huh. actually like figure it all out and are in these like healthy loving relationships even people who do get married young some of them mm-hmm. like bless up great relationships yeah. whatever but a lot of them are just like kind of caving into this pressure which is yeah mm-hmm. not great either yeah and my friends who I've watched turn 30 through the years who have not been stoked about it are the ones who have not taken the time to really like address their issues mm. like r- I feel like it must be scary if you haven't like kind of gotten your shit together <laughs> 
like it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't exactly. have to be perfect. You just have to be like cool with who you are and then it's cool to enter the next phase. Yeah. yeah I love that. That's <laughs> fucking great. So, so we're talking about relationships and I even, you know, I was mentioning for a second, like early engagements. So with your ex, I know this from her girls got eat episode again, but <laughs> with your ex that you moved to California with, you guys mm-hmm. were briefly engaged, right? Yes. Yeah. We got yeah. engaged like quickly. It was like his, he was going through a trauma within his family. His father was being persecu- prosecuted, not persecuted, <laughs> prosecuted for <laughs> financial crime. <laughs> Maybe persecuted as well on the yeah, side. Yeah. And so he was older than me. He was like 30. I was like 22. And I was still in this like, I don't know, just dumb phase where like it this dumb stage. Yeah. And he proposed at the comedy club where we met like during a stand-up act like with jokes that I wrote for him and like it was all very performative and all very much like for the crowd it was far too young I was way too immature and I think that he just wanted to move as quickly as possible I don't know I felt partially you were at different stages of life that's a we were big in very different difference. stages of life yeah. and like no shade to him but this is something I've really learned to look out for because uh-huh. it's been a theme in my life of men wanting to kind of like possess me and like they get attracted to like my bright nature and my your light, light. and then they want to like kind of extinguish it they want to like own it and then by owning it means that they clasp their hands around it so tightly that it goes out and so that was like a big trend for me (laughs) in my dating life for a while uh and I fell apart in that relationship because it was not a relationship where someone was fanning my flame they were trying to Mm. control it they were trying to minimize it they were trying to use it for their own benefit which sucked um and it's taken me a while to get back to the person I was a smarter version of who I was before that relationship Yeah, I mean, I relate to everything you're saying so much. It's like (laughs) sad. Yeah, you said that you went through something similar, right? Yeah, I did. So I... um. I was not proposed to, thank God. Um, thank God. I, you handled that pretty well because I, I don't know what I would have done. I have to say, for all my shit, I think if I was proposed to right now, I'd be like, no. But I relate to just the idea of like someone trying to dim your light. And I don't want to throw shade, like you were saying, at any ex mm-hmm. in particular because I think the older you get, the more you realize that there are shades of gray of everything, like more than you think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So people can do kind of horrible things things to you but a lot of the time it's them not dealing with their stuff and their issues and their traumas it doesn't always mean that they're a horrible person exactly and they can do again horrible things but they're Mm -hmm. not necessarily a horrible person so this isn't to like tear someone down or talk shit or get revenge it's more just like I think it's important for all Mm -hmm. women all people because this can happen in any sort of relationship no matter your sexuality etc your gender um but I think it's really important to talk about these kind of emotionally manipulative relationships because I think they're more common than people realize oh which is absolutely and yeah and it's also I feel like a lot of men have almost been trained like I think we need to do a better job of raising men and women to to not do this because a lot of the men who are very emotionally manipulative to Mm. me it's like society and your family and everyone really trained you (laughs) to do this like no yeah like I can't be wrong I'm a perfect boy like (laughs) just ask my mother he's just being a boy boys will be boys like exactly exactly yeah Mm -hmm. and it's so funny you say that too because 
like I was in preparation for the episode. I was just reading like my friend sent me an Instagram about, you know, gaslighters or emotional Mm -hmm. manipulation, stuff like that. Um, And I was reading these different articles about it. And it's as if they follow a handbook. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's It's textbook. It's textbook. The the telling me that like Mm -hmm. we're moving to L.A. suddenly, that's textbook. Like, okay, I'm losing control of her. So I need to remove her from everyone that she knows, everyone she cares about. Exactly. And that's like, it's textbook behavior. It's like, when did they read this? Does somebody like pull them aside and give them like a leaflet? Like, I know. And I think I'm kind of speaking on your behalf, but just it seems like what we went through is pretty similar mm-hmm. in some ways. But yeah, it follows this pattern. And I think when you are someone who wants to see the best in people, and I mm-hmm. think that's also speaks to how women are kind of raised throughout their lives. Like, yeah. You want to assume someone wouldn't do this to you, especially someone mm-hmm. you love, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they are, then it's because you deserved it. You did something wrong. There's something wrong with you. And you exactly. internalize it. Especially when they're telling you to. Mm-hmm. So for a little background with my relationship, some things that happened with it. First of all, you um, kind of spoke about this previously, and I also related to this. I think what people don't realize, like a lot of the times people will see emotionally manipulative, toxic relationships like towards Mm -hmm. the end. And they're like, Mm -hmm. how did you get in this situation? Right. One bite at a time. (laughs) One bite at a time. Because Mm -hmm. again, like it's not like we weren't or aren't smart, emotionally intelligent women. Mm -hmm. It's that these things happen over time and the process is long winded. Right. So you're also falling in love with someone you're having that like beginning of the relationship honeymoon phase etc but then there are like small things that begin to creep in and I was also reading about this it's so interesting I think for my experience I'm not sure about yours but there's also this aspect of them kind of like learning and loving everything about you in the beginning but Mm -hmm. then later on oh and they want to move fast and they yes they want so obsessed with you right in the beginning yep Mm -hmm. so obsessed and then after some time it turns into this flip of idolizing you and demonizing you and using the same material to do both Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. It's insane. So you'll tell someone something in the beginning of the relationship and they're like, I love you despite that flaw, despite that Mm -hmm. experience you went through. But then later when they feel like they have more control over you, they'll flip that and use it against you. They'll weaponize it. They'll weaponize it. A hundred percent. Like that would happen because like in the beginning I would tell him like, Mm -hmm. you know, I hadn't properly processed my like my history with my dad. But I told him like, you know, my dad is an addict and an alcoholic and was pretty verbally abusive and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, wow, that just makes you the strong woman you are today. And then it's like a few months in. I would say, you know, you really hurt my feelings today or I really don't like when you do this. And he'd Mm -hmm. be like, you just don't understand what a healthy relationship is because of your father. And, you know, I'm getting really tired of having to teach you, but I'm willing to do it because I think you're still worth it. Like stuff like that, like fully flipping the script and weaponizing. And it is it's like it is such a recipe. It's like, yeah. I think now I've learned mm-hmm. to actually trust my inner voice, yes. trust my gut, because the whole time that the, he's like rushing me into this, rushing me into moving in, rushing me into getting engaged, there's the voice in my in the back of my head that's like, you don't want this. You don't want this. And, and you're not sure about this person. But it felt so good to have someone be so sure about me because I was yes. so, felt so lost at that time. Yeah. And you didn't feel sure about yourself. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's why I say, like, I reference this in the Girls Gotta Eat episode, but I mm-hmm. love this song by Fiona Apple called werewolf where she goes through these different scenarios where she's like I could liken you to a werewolf the way 
say you left me for dead, but I admit I was the one who provided the full moon. Or like, I can like you to a shark the way you bit off my head, but I was the one waving around a bleeding old wound. And it's like, that yes. is That line is so good. That yes. line is amazing. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, it's because I was the perfect, uh, I hate to use the word victim, but I was the perfect... Mm. Target. Oh, target. I was the perfect target. Yeah. And that's why I've I've had to take time to really process. And now I'm very careful about dating because I was like, I need to fix those things about me so that I no longer become attractive to somebody like that. Yeah, it's, um, it's so interesting you say that because even like the other day, <laughs> I have to say I'm not full-fledged crazy about the whole horoscope thing. Like I want to put yeah. myself on the scale of one to 10. I'm at six. You know, okay. so I'm like, yeah, I'm a little over half, but I'm not a fanatic about it. I don't know all That's the time. That's about signs. how I feel. Yeah. yeah. But um, but I do love reading my horoscope, especially when I'm kind of looking for like universe guidance, so to speak. Yeah. And I have recently, even with like casual dating, found myself mm-hmm. not repeating these patterns, but as you were saying, being attracted to people who aren't necessarily going to serve me. Mm-hmm. And I can think of one specifically. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder who was our podcast canceled yesterday for an annoying ass reason. Maybe. Maybe I'll start a Patreon and and then you can release our the beginning part of our conversation. Yeah, literally. Um, that would be amazing. But yeah, I I found myself like that, and I I was kind of feeling those gut feelings you were talking about, mm-hmm. like oh, this person I'm casually talking to is kind of exhibiting some of these behaviors. Like this person kind of made me feel that way, you know? Mm -hmm. And you have that gut feeling, but you suppress it. And I think the more you learn to listen to that, the better you feel with yourself. But basically, to go back to the horoscope thing, so I pull up my horoscope, and I can't remember it word for word, but more or Mm -hmm. less, it was just like, there's a pattern that you don't like. It keeps repeating itself, and at a certain Mm -hmm. point, you have to like draw back the curtain and realize you are the common denominator. Yeah, you're the man behind the curtain. You're the Wizard of Oz. You're the man. (laughs) You are your own issue. And I read that, and I was kind of pissed by it but then Uh after things kind of unfolded I was like oh yeah it's right and it's not saying that there's anything wrong with me because I think that's how I like initially interpreted it is like oh there's something wrong with you or your personality or whatever no it's that you have to do that self-reflecting and that Mm self-work and that therapy that you've been so great at doing and heal those wounds so that you can have better control over the types of people you're attracted to and the types of relationships you're getting in so that you don't Mm -hmm. have to deal with this pattern again and again because it's exhausting every time let me tell you yeah it's exhausting it's like it's like how many times are you going to slam your head into a wall and then (laughs) complain of a headache like That's the thing. It's like, wait, it's so empowering to realize like this is all within my control. Yes. And and I don't want to any way say that like any sort of physical abuse or anything like that, like totally uh, is was in your control. Like, no, I'm I'm not trying to victim blame at all. But I just think it's empowering when you're moving forward, when you're moving out of that relationship to be like, okay, I need to self-evaluate. Because being stuck in a victim mentality can be very detrimental to your emotional growth. A hundred percent. It just all happened to me instead of being like, how did I participate? 
Exactly. (laughs) And that's kind of going back to like the lyrics you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really important because also when I was reading up on it, it was talking about like the toll that people in these quote-unquote abusive relationships I don't necessarily like saying abusive because it feels like I like toxic 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 feels better because it doesn't it doesn't give any blame exactly because both parties have some involvement yeah I think realizing that you have some control in that helps with the healing process because you were also Mm -hmm. mentioning how you after that relationship had to go through a lot of work to get back to not the same person you were before but a better version of that yeah Mm -hmm. and I think that's so true because when your light is being dimmed or when you're being controlled or manipulated in these ways Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like chipping away at things you are actually confident about and then further chipping away at things you were insecure about Mm -hmm. so for example like with my ex something I've always been very secure about is like my ability to like like my friend Caroline used to say about me she's like I could bring you to a party (laughs) pre-COVID and you could make conversation with the wall like Mm -hmm. literally you could talk to anyone and their mom and you'd Mm -hmm. be great part of why I want to start the podcast too like I just love (laughs) getting to know people but he I think was a bit insecure about that in a weird way and he didn't like how it highlighted maybe that he wasn't as much that way I I don't know for sure I'm not in his head but he would then make me feel like I was crazy for thinking I was having like good conversations so he'd be Mm -hmm. like after we'd leave he'd be like wow you really talked to that person's ear off they must have been pretty bored yeah you know just things like that and I was like wait what it's so wow it's crazy it's like the way (laughs) they flip it or and then you'll get upset about it and they're like oh you're just being too sensitive like I'm making a joke which is gaslighting like Gaslighting 101. Absolute bullshit. Yeah. That's so funny because that's exactly what my ex would do to me because we were like both comedians, but I was much. I I mean, I'm just going to say it. I'm funnier than him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm funnier than him. (laughs) Yes. Um, Let's say it. Like, no shade, but like I am. And I think he would say that too. No shade. It's just true. (laughs) It's just true. I'm funnier than him and I'm like much more charismatic. And when I would be like the life of a party, he would like break me down about it where like Mm. just last year I realized it and realized it was something I had to work through because I went to my friend's dad's birthday party in Malibu and was like Mm -hmm. the life of the party and having like a great time and like helping her get everybody on the dance floor and the next morning I woke up and almost had a panic attack because I was like I was too much I was too much exactly and it carries on with you Mm -hmm. after the relationship too Mm -hmm. and I found myself I didn't even realize it was something I was doing to myself because it became so a part of my identity I've always been an overthinker. I've always been anxious. But me like repeating conversations, like making sure I didn't embarrass myself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which was just not Where something. Nobody is, nobody is watching nobody that carefully. Nobody cares that much. Yeah. No. It's like when you look at an Instagram picture, a picture you're going to Instagram like 200 mm-hmm. times and you're like, this little thing's off. Like no one gives a fuck. Like it's no literally one, that, uh-huh. except yeah. for that person who made you think that people do. Exactly. And who gives a shit about what they think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> literally. Yep. Yeah, but I think to kind of wrap up that conversation, I could go on with you for hours about this, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe we just, you know, hang out when COVID is over, but we'll get <laughs> On the Upper West oh, Side. <laughs> love it. Love it. Still, ha- um, I still have PTSD about the Upper East Side. Hated it. 
I mean, the Upper East Side is. It was so boring, but I had really good like Jewish delis. There are better Jewish delis on the Upper West Side. Just oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I can put this on the podcast because I was gonna make a comment being like, growing up on the Upper West Side, like I've always felt like an honorary Jew, which I don't know if you can say that. (laughs) I don't know because like I like after just living in New Mm -hmm. York for uh, like six and a half years. I don't know. I feel very like attached to the Jewish people. <laughs> right. And like, and even it's in LA, amazing like culture. working as a comedy writer, like yes. so many of my best friends, so many, like I was going to yes. Seder's. I wasn't going to like Sunday dinners. Like I did growing yep. up. God, like nothing comforts my soul. Like matzo ball soup. Like I really. Oh my God. Me too. To the Jewish faith, which yeah. <laughs> and like the Jewish people. <laughs> well, I think it's just, it, it's culturally so fun and loving. And I think also it makes sense because you're a comedian. I'm like a lover of comedy. Um, mm-hmm. I think I can be funny sometimes, but there's also <laughs> like this natural kind of humor that's mm-hmm. in a lot of, I don't know, the culture of Judaism on a whole. And it's, and it's kind of, it's kind of like a dark sense of humor. And yes. Which we like, love. Like generations yes. of pain and turning it into something hilarious and that is very much my brand (laughs) and yours a hundred (laughs) percent so it makes sense Mm -hmm. oh man I could go on there's literally so much to talk about but I will move on to the next segment just because of time okay so (laughs) the next segment for the podcast is something I call quarter life qualms so We got into your 20s versus you being Mm -hmm. excited about turning 30 a little bit, but this is just to kind of like focus it in and get some like nicely wrapped up takeaway messages for the listeners, stuff like that. So first of all, have you ever had a quarter life crisis? And if so, how did it go down? Yes. And it was, we kind of already talked about it, but it was mm-hmm. like not dealing with my childhood trauma, getting engaged too quickly, and then mm. finally finding the strength to get out of that. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> like I got out of it at like 25. And then it's That's like- That's early though. That's good. Well, I'm sorry. I got out of the relationship at 25. Uh, I feel I like I got out of my quarter life crisis like last year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I just got out of it by getting over my own bullshit. I just got over myself and my excuses as to why I, like, I just am this way or this is just how it is. Fuck that. Like, I deserve to be the happiest and healthiest version of myself possible. Yeah. Yeah, you just took control over Mm -hmm. the stuff you were dealing with. And it's tough, you know? It's not that it's always easy. I mean, I can't even imagine dealing with loss and the news of your mother's cancer. Like, having all these things back-to-back and then the toxic relationship, it's like, it's tough to put into practice. But Mm -hmm. what good would you be doing yourself to just hold on to all that and not take control of everything you possibly can to better your circumstance, you know? Exactly, because you get to decide how much weight the past has over you. You get to decide Mm. whether you use that rock bottom to, like, push off of or if you just fucking drowned. Like, it's it's so empowering to realize that it's all in your hands. And that's, I guess that's the biggest thing I want to tell people in their quarter-life crisis is that it's all up to you. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what people did to you. It matters how you move forward. And I know that sucks so sometimes true. and it's not fair and you got dealt a bigger pile of shit than you deserve to. Right, but like, yeah. That's the pile of shit you got dealt and like that's what you got to do. Doing the like, oh, it should be this way or like mm-hmm. whatever. That's not productive. Just it's take not. What, what you've been dealt and move forward. 
And then you'll be so much happier and so much prouder of yourself than just feeling stuck and wading through the shit. Totally. I mean, I think that's 100% how you have to go about life in general. And like, I also, I think it's interesting how you noted like the thing like, oh, I've been dealt like more shit than other people. And there is sometimes that comparison game. But at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, we all have our shit. And Mm -hmm. that's why I love talking about mental health issues, etc. Like getting into people's stuff on the podcast because it's like everyone has it. It doesn't matter which degree you have it to. We all have it and we all have to work through it. And if you don't think you have issues, then you have issues. That's just, that's, (laughs) that's my takeaway. If, yeah, it's like, uh, if like there's no one annoying in your class, like you're the annoying one. Like if there's no, (laughs) like if you think that like you have no issues, then you're the one with the most issues. Literally. Shout out to my ex because that was you. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to my ex. Wait, wasn't that a song? Okay, anyways. So how does your current path in life compare to what you had maybe set out for yourself when you were younger doing these five 10-year plans graduating Uh from college etc my current path differs from my initial path because now I'm only concerned about pleasing myself and those that I care about Mm. the path like the five-year 10-year plans that I was making as like a 20-year-old were always to please somebody else whether I realized it or not it was like even like it was like okay I'm gonna be married because my exes are married and um like I don't want them to think that I'm some like loser and I have to win even though it's not actually what I care about and it's like is it a win if it's not what you want and that's that's really how my path differs because now it's like okay I know that marriage isn't exactly a goal of mine like if it happens cool Mm -hmm. but like I know that I want to pursue my own things that makes me happier I love being alone I love spending time with my friends and it makes me feel much more fearless because I don't like I'm like fuck it I'll try anything yeah like, I'll throw anything out there because I don't care what other people think anymore like truly <laughs> like, like I used to have such a like a, I don't give a fuck attitude when I was like doing comedy at 22 but I yeah. cared so much <laughs> I gave yeah so many fucks <laughs> oh my god I mean I think a lot of comedians or performers do like whether you want to or not you know because mm-hmm. you get so much from that validation from those laughs from the claps from the yeah you know then you got to worry that you're like tinkerbell where like am i gonna die if they stop applauding and then you're oh like oh my shit, god. i'm broken <laughs> that comparison just literally gave me chills i'm shook oh my god i need to rewatch peter pan tonight wait that's I have to write that down at some point. Okay. Wow. That was beautiful. Um, wow. Anyways. Okay. We're going to move on, but like, I'm still like, I feel like, yeah, I was like, that was gorgeous. Gorgeous. Wow. Never been gorgeous. done before. Never been done before. Yeah. Lady Gaga. We love. So the last question I have for the core life crisis bit, just to kind of sum it up, you've dealt with a lot of loss and trauma. So when you're going through a difficult time or a transition, what are some of the methods you use to cope or to feel better? Oh, this is a good one. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so really grounding myself, I find, Mm. and that can happen in different ways. Like if it's me moving to a different city, if it's me starting a new job, checking in with myself constantly like meditation is how I really like to ground myself getting out into nature and then creating a sense of community I realized that like people are very important to Mm -hmm. me so like yeah creating community wherever I go is really good for me and um just being a lot easier on myself going slower is really self-care like listening to myself 
Somebody said this recently. We're human beings, not humans doing. <laughs> it's like, oh, that, wow, that's great. Like, especially yeah. if you have um, like yes. childhood trauma, you try to go so fast and you try to just keep achieving instead of just like living that your life. That is so true. I'm always so give, trying yeah. to be go, go, go. Exactly. Yeah. It's like and slowing so then, down is scary. Mm-hmm. And so finally, like slowing down and giving myself that permission to just like spend time with myself. And now I just enjoy spending time with myself. That's, I think, the biggest thing. Amazing. Okay, so to finish up, you've mm-hmm. 7% on your phone battery because yes. we both have had crazy computer problems. <laughs> yeah. So it feels fitting that I'm going to finish quickly, and this is rapid fire, so okay. it can be quick. Great. With I love a that. game called 7T Questions. So 7-T-E-A questions. Ooh, 7-T. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's don't worry, not 7-0. That would be crazy. I was like, oh, shit. You're like, fuck, <laughs> this is quick. Real quick, just three more hours. <laughs> really quickly, um, I have 71 questions. No, 7-T <laughs> questions. Here we go. Let's do it. Okay. okay. Number one, what's the T in your life right now? The T in my life right now, it's really boring because I'm in quarantine. Um, But I'm like watching a lot of couples getting together in my hometown Uh from like high school that you would never think would get together because they're all everyone's home quarantining. And um, that's the T. I know it's not like good for your listeners, but like my group chats are blowing up. I love that people like coming home and they're just like horny and they're like, okay, here we go. And we're like, let's let's see see how this plays out. Rebecca's still around Mm -hmm. my high school girlfriend of a week. Yeah. Incredible. Exactly. Okay. Number two, since you worked with Kardashians, if you had to choose one Kardashian to be stranded on an island with, which one would it be and why? Am I allowed to say Kris Jenner? Yes. Okay. Oh, she's still Kardashian. Kardashian Jenner. Kris Kardashian Jenner, for sure. Because first of all, she's so fun. Oh my God. So cool. Probably more down to earth than her kids even because like she's the one who really hustled. She likes to party. Yeah. And she's a doer, man. Like it would be like we're stuck on an island. She'd be like, I just built us this house and I built us this (laughs) studio and we started a podcast. (laughs) So yeah, she's like, I actually called the network and now we're making a show out of it. We're making a show. I don't know how they're gonna get here but it's happening somehow we're making this profitable and that is why Chris Jenner's my favorite I mean she's kind of people give her shit like you know the devil works hard but Chris Jenner works harder but like <laughs> she does work fucking she works hard so hard and she built something out of very little like I yeah. mean they were they were comfortable upper middle class but like she built like this dynasty with like people having looked down 100%. on their family before that so I think she's a badass yeah out of a sex tape too exactly like, why well, even give Kim credit it's kind of Chris. Chris is like, she's moving Chris, all the things behind Chris the like, scenes. Chris was like, anything, any negative, I can turn it into money. Any negative, we're turning it into a positive. You know, people hate on her, but I think it's because she's a woman. I think it's pretty fucking impressive. Oh, yeah. Gotta mm-hmm. say. Okay. If your dog, Jolene, was a human, which celebrity would she be and why? Oh, this is a good one. Okay. So she's like incredibly beautiful and yeah. incredibly kind, but like very serious about it. So Ooh. I'm trying to think. Like maybe like Kristen Stewart? Because oh. it's like it's like she's not like silly in any way. She's very oh, that's interesting. serious. But like you feel so special around her. So I'd say Kristen Stewart because she's like gorgeous, a little butch. And, <laughs> a uh, little butch. And misunderstood. That's really cute. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, that's so funny that she's such a serious dog when you're such like a silly person. Oh, yeah. And she's like, it's so funny because she's like so serious about cuddling. Like, she'll oh just be God. like. Oh, my God. She's like, we are like, cuddling, dive on top. mother. It's very cute. Oh, my gosh. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Aisle or window seat if we ever, you know, start flying again? 
aisle, 100%. I don't give a fuck about the window seat. Mm-hmm. I, if I wanted to see an aerial of, like, Minnesota, <laughs> like, I would just fuck off. <laughs> but aisle, because I like to go to the bathroom. Me I like to, too. I don't have to, like, bladder issues. I don't want to have to, like, yep. get bladder issues. And also, I like to stretch my legs, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's just smarter. You're right. Like, there's nothing that interesting. Like, was that sunset picture that good? Maybe in 2010, not now. Anyways, what are your two best and two worst attributes in your opinion? My best, my two best attributes Mm -hmm. are kindness. True, um, agree. Which is like different than niceness, I want to point out. Nice is boring. Uh Uh-huh, and sense of humor. Yeah. And then my worst attributes are definitely self-doubt and... Uh, indecisiveness <laughs> <laughs> you did I see what you did there that was very well done very well handled well I definitely agree with your best ones and your second worst one was funny which was one of your best ones so okay stealing this question from your mom if you were having your last meal and could only pick one person alive or dead to eat it with what would you order I would order Maryland blue crabs, steamed, mm. um, a big old bushel. I'd get like a big pitcher of beer or maybe like some ice cold Sauvignon Blanc and just <gasps> pick crabs. <laughs> you have thought about this. That is my, that's my death row meal, like for sure. And it's also like seasonal. So like it could stay yeah. my execution longer if the crabs aren't in season. Wow. Look at you. You are thinking (laughs) ahead. Well, thank God. Uh I hope you don't ever end up on death row, but you know, you're prepared. It would be an interesting story, though. Everything's your story, you know? That's how it works. Okay, (laughs) the last of the 70 questions is if you had a genie who could grant you only one wish, what would it be? That my dog Jolene lives as long as I do. (laughs) Aww. I'm a huge dog lover, like massive. I've actually a very unsuccessful dog Instagram account that I can follow you on. (laughs) But I I fucking love dogs. I would love to meet Jolene one day, and I hope she has a long, thriving life. On that note, Kate, this has been so wonderful. I could talk to you for 10 more hours. This is so much fun. This was so fun. (laughs) Could you just plug all your stuff so people know where to find you? Totally. You can follow my personal account. Instagram is my weapon of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, at Kate Nichols with two L's and two Z's. And then you can follow our podcast, Stage Four Clingers, on Instagram at Stage Four Clinger. And it's for the number four, right? The number four. Mm-hmm. And subscribe to Stage Four Clinger wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Like if you if you can review and leave like any kind of positive review, we really appreciate it. I'm about to do that once we wrap up. Hell yes. Fuck yes. All right, and then I'll leave you a positive review. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like god. For like, look at us, woman supporting woman. <laughs> Better than a black and white headshot. Oh god. <laughs> I did that not knowing the background at all, and I was like, I'm the problem. Anyways, on that note, if you want to see my problematic photo that I tried to correct and uh, yeah, you can follow me at CKNY1213. That's not my birthday, but my friend who made it for me in middle school thought it was. And you should follow me at WTFSUP. Pod and Instagram is also my weapon of choice. Also, please, for <laughs> both of us, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, yes. tell your mom, tell your dad, tell everyone. Thank you so <laughs> much, Kate. Thank you. This was so much fun. So much fun. All right. Once COVID's over, we're going to have to get a drink in person. Oh, 100%. And there will be pictures. Okay. Bye, guys. There will be pictures.